0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health, to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about different equine personalities and how to handle them. Our guest is trainer and clinician Charles Willem of Castro Valley, California. Charles is the author of Build Your Dream Horse, a book that helps horse owners of all experience levels provide foundation training for their horses. In his book, Charles talks about seven different personality types that all horses fall into. Compliant, bully, indifferent, timid, nervous Nelly, lethargic, and way too smart. Over the next half hour, we're going to talk to Charles about these different types of horses and how to handle them. We'll be right back after these messages. Why the long
1: face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat
3: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell.
2: You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to trainer and clinician Charles Wilhelm, author of Building Your Dream Horse. Charles, welcome to the show. It's great to have you.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
2: Sure. Now, Building Your Dream Horse is a wonderful book that provides step-by-step details on how to provide your horse with foundation training, which is something every horse needs in order to be a good companion. But what really struck me about the book is the different personality types that you describe. And I, I recognize every horse I've ever had in those personality types. And what I want to do today is talk about each of these personalities and get a sense of how to handle them. Sure. So, first off... Um, You had mentioned something to me earlier about how you came up with these personality types. Did you want to tell us about that?
0: Yeah, if I could just take a moment and kind of uh, fill you in a little bit how I I came up with this. You know, after um, working with problem horses for a, a few years, I started seeing a string of different types of horses come into play, you know, coming into categories, and you started recognizing them. Um, and so I started uh, putting them in, you know, an order. Um, then the other reason was uh, the most of my clients that I worked with was, you know, returning riders or, or getting the horse for the first time. And I, uh, by giving them uh, names to their personality, I found that it was much easier for them to relate to the horse and, and how to uh, train the horse and, and, and what needs to be done for that particular personality.
2: So why don't we first talk about the compliant horse? Now this sure. seems to be like the easiest horse for just about anybody to deal with.
0: Well, the compliant horse is is probably makes up probably less than five percent of all the horses that it's out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's a real willing horse. It's um, their attitude is says I don't care whatever you want. It's it's do it. Um, they have, usually have a pretty good work ethic. Uh, the temperament is real quiet. They're usually not a high emotional horse. In other words, you are not a, a high flight instinct on them. And it makes it much easier for a novice to work with a horse like that. And so, and they're a lot more forgiving. Um, they're dur- the direction from the owner doesn't have to be quite as clear. Or if they make a mistake, they're a lot more forgiving about it. Probably... You know, my clientele is is about 85% women and returning riders, and that's probably just about the horse they should all have.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, is it possible to turn any of these other personality types into the compliant horse, or are they born like this?
0: Well, you know, everyone has their uh, nature, uh, their personality that they're born with. Um, but yes, we, by training other horses and their personalities, yeah, we can make them a lot more compliant. Uh it just takes a little bit more work on our part. It's just mm-hmm. that compliance comes natural this way. And also if I could put in here that your horse could have you know one or two of these same you know person you know personalities.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you could have an easy going horse that's really indifferent. Okay? So uh, you know, these is just a way to put horses in a category that makes it much easier to work with a horse.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, now this next one, um, the bully, um, I, I, after reading your book, I think I have one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a young gelding, he's a, yep. almost eight years old, and yep. um, he had a lot of the uh, qualities that you described. Tell me about that particular personality.
0: Well, the bully, you know growing up uh, we've all or even doing in business we 've all had bullies in our lives you know trying to do business or going to school, but it's pretty straightforward. A bully is um, usually extremely pushy, really wants to get in your space, basically has no respect uh, for humans or horses i mean i've seen horses that are uh, with other horses and and um, they go past the the pecking order, if you will. They, they're just uh, a big bully. They just push people around, push horses around. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a bully, it really requires a, a very confident handler, a rider. When you're working with a bully, the communication really has to be black and white. Uh, there can be no gray areas. Like the complain horse, you could as I mentioned earlier on the compliant horses, if the signal wasn't quite clear or you made a mistake, um, the compliant horse is really forgiving about that. Um, with a bully, boy, I tell you what, you make a mistake with them or you're not clear on your signals and you're going to pay a price because they, they're always pushing. Now, here's something. Now you, you may have to be strong in your actions. to you establish the leadership for the bully. But you also have to be careful that you're not over dominant. Uh, you can actually turn them upside down and, and start making them, you know, timid. Believe it or not, it's not so much that you that, that you um, uh, make them timid either
2: right and you mentioned that in your book how they can become timid if you are too strong with them which really struck me as and, and i have noticed that in my horse it really struck me as odd because i could never understand if i got too tough with him why he would become a, a fraidy cat from being the kind of horse that was pushing everybody around why, why do you think that happens
0: well i think that happens is uh we get we have to be strong but if we we have to correct our horse and and especially with a bully correction usually comes into play more than with other horses Um, it's not that we don't correct other horses um, but you just can't be picking on them all the time and be domineering with them all the time Uh, you have to choose your battles okay so if you kind of overdo it they start becoming submissive they start withdrawing inside uh, and they just I mean I've seen it in the army where a bully and uh, in the army growing up in boot camp, you know, the bully really uh, gets uh, pushed around a lot from the acting sergeant or whatever. And because they get hammered on so much, they just start becoming uh, withdrawn. So I think it's just a lack of confidence if I, if it was in human's terms. And I think it's pretty much the same way, you know, with horses. Right. They have a tendency to be a bully just to override maybe their their confidence about
2: things. Well, that's that's the sense I got with my horse was that it was um before I read your book. I I just kept saying he's all bravado because if you, right. you he acts like a tough guy, but if you push him, he he acts scared. So right. that makes a lot of sense. Now, how do you deal with a horse like that with your training?
0: Well, you know, we get him in here a lot. Uh, we probably get more bullies in you know, the nervous millies and the bullies uh, I like to get a lot more compliant horses because it makes my <laughs> job easier but we you just have to learn to set standards and be consistent in your standards if you are back and forth on your standards in other words one day uh, I'm holding to standards and then the next day oh well you know it's okay that can't happen uh, mm-hmm. you have to be consistent you know training any horse you have to be consistent but especially in a bully horse, you really have to maintain uh, the consistency. Now, you know, horses' personality can be born with this, just like humans. But sometimes uh, it can also be a learned behavior. I had a stallion in there a couple of years ago. Um, you know, stallions are usually assertive anyway, but uh, this horse became really assertive. And uh, and I'm going to use him... Uh, as a, a horse that's a bully because he got to a point that he was pushing people around so much that he, you couldn't even put a halter on without him trying to bite you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it actually took me 45 days of, of consistent work before I could lead the horse and not feel feeling like this horse was going to eat my lunch. But it had to be day in and day out consistency. So also is when you do make your corrections, make your corrections. Make a point and leave them alone. When you go beyond the correction and you start getting revenge in there, then that's when we're gonna kind of browbeat them, and then they start averting and and being timid. So mm-hmm. that's where we can't overdo it. Make your correction and leave them alone.
2: Okay. Now, kind of almost on the other side of the spectrum, you have the indifferent horse. What's sure. what horse? What's that horse like?
0: Well, the indifferent horse, and we've all run across it in people. They they could be a nice, they could be a willing horse. They could, you know, become a nice performance horse. They could become a nice trail horse. But the the indifferent horse is very aloof. Uh, they're not a real social animal. Um, a lot of my clients or the cl- people that I work with, um, they usually want a horse that's a little bit more, you know, warm and fuzzy, and uh, you know, more personable to have that kind of relationship. And an in, indifferent horse, you know, it's like, well, the sun's up, you know, if the wind's blowing, so what, you know? They're not warm and fuzzy. They're not someone that wants to be in your back pocket. They just soon stand outside the herd. They're actually a horse that's very aloof, could be a great trail horse, because they, they don't need the security of other horses.
3: Mm.
0: Um, and the same with a bully. Sometimes a bully can be a great horse out on the trail because they can learn to be, you know, by themselves. But indifferent horse. Now, a horse that's indifferent, it, it can take you a little bit longer, but you can establish a nice relationship with them. And once you've done that, then they'll be more willing to pay attention to you and, and ask and do, you know, whatever you like them to do for you. Mm-hmm. It just takes more time. Just like people, I don't know... If you ever dealt with people that's indifferent, but it, it really, for me, dealing with people indifferent really, it really makes it harder for me to try to have a business relationship or, or any kind of relationship with them until you break through, and it's almost like they they gain a trust but they, but they'll never be a you know a back pocket pony either.
2: Now, are there difficulties in training a horse like this?
0: No, not at all. Actually, it's actually kind of easy because. You know, they're more willing to do the task. They're just not warm and fuzzy. They don't want to be in your back pocket. You know, they're right. happy just to stand there and leave you alone. You know, mm-hmm. my clients usually don't like that because they, they want a relationship. You know, they want to be able right. to go pet on that horse. And an different horse could care less if you pet on them or not. Right, right.
2: Okay, well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about the timid horse. So we'll be Great. right back after these messages
1: why the long face I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors Molly, here's your dinner (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food
0: don't let that happen to your precious cat elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray the Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the Cat Tree Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet.
2: Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to trainer and clinician, Charles Wilhelm, author of Building Your Dream Horse. Okay, we're talking about different personality types in horses. Um, Charles, tell me about the timid horse.
0: Uh, The timid horse is usually a very quiet horse on the outside. And for example, uh, I've had clients go shop for a horse and they... They go to a breeder or someone, and they find the horse to be very quiet, almost docile. They ride it around. They have, you know, it seems to be compliant. But any time the rider asks for anything or put any pressure on it, then the horse uh, starts falling apart. The emotional level rises and starts becoming a horse other than what it is, and it might even blow up because mm-hmm. it can't handle the pressure. In other words, once the, the horse is, long, long as you're quiet, easy going, and not asking them anything more in their performance. Uh, and, and, and of course, a lot of my clients say, well, all I want is a trail horse. You know, I don't, it, it does, you know, I don't have to demand a lot of it. Well, when you, want it, when you have a trail horse, you probably should have a pretty broke horse and it should uh, be able to take a lot of pressure. Uh, more poverty than an arena horse because there's there's a lot of circumstances out there, so uh, pressure can mean not only pressure from the owner and asking him to go over a jump or move away from him, but pressure coming up a uh, a deer jumps up and is adding pressure and it can add a lot more anxiety and just fall apart or blow up. Mm-hmm. so we have to be careful on those now the horse that's timid. The, the way that we work with them is that we, we build up pressure. In other words, like a compliant horse, you can put a lot of pressure on a horse. You can be a little bit more demanding on them to to get whatever you need to get done. Teach them to go over a pole or a small cavaletti and, or go into a trailer. They can take a lot more pressure. But a timid horse, you have to build. For example, uh, I, just, I wrote another book called starting baby jazz the personality was a very compliant personality but it also had a personality of timid in other words it was really easy going i mean the first day i had it here as a yearling i got the spray bottle up fly spray and i fly sprayed it as a yearling and it didn't care but soon as i raised the pressure and started asking more of it then it started falling apart Mm-hmm. So the increments of pressure has to be done in small increments until finally you can hang, handle. Uh, here's another example on that same horse. When I started teaching at round pen, as soon as I added a, enough pressure to go into uh, a faster gait, it just kind of fell apart. He wanted to stick his head out through the, the bars and say, let me out of here. In other words, it, it, it really couldn't deal with the pressure. Mm-hmm. so all that means is you back down the pressure a little bit and work your way up and they actually end up being a nice horse it just takes a little bit longer uh, to train them uh, and they end up being a nice horse
2: so what's the difference between a timid horse and then the nervous nelly
0: well the nervous nelly difference from the timid horse in that it's just nervous about everything uh, remember on the uh, Tim and horse, you know you you went to go look at it, you got on it, you rode it, and it was quiet, but you never asked anything of it, and then it fell apart. The nervous nilly is he he looks at everything and, and he's just nervous about everything it's almost like, Oh my God, oh my goodness, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've all been on the trail of been round horses like that, you know the nervous horses are also going to be one that's going to be more inclined to bolt so and here again, this is this is a horse that's more doable, but it's going to take a lot more time. For example, on a nervous nilly, what I could get done, let's say, in 30 days with a, or say even two weeks on a compliant horse, it may take me three months. Mm-hmm. You know, to accept pressure, change its reaction about bolting, accept dragging tarps, you know, bottles rustling in the bushes, bicycles. So it just becomes a bigger project.
2: A horse like and, that, is there—is there really any way to ever change that personality? Is there always going to be an, a nervous horse? And, and depending on the rider, too, could bring that out, I'm guessing.
0: Oh, sure. You know, I have one of those horses that <laughs> I bought, a, and a, and I won't mention the breed, but everyone would say, oh, there you go. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
2: right, right. I think I know <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. He
0: was in your, he's in your book, right? Yes, he is. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> And uh, and now, I mean, uh, it took me a while to overcome this, but um, you can change. You know, I mean, the way that I feel about this, when I have people come to work with me, I, I usually I tell them, listen, I don't want to change you. I just want to add to your personality. And that's the way I feel about horses. I can't change them because I think they all come with, a, you know, the nervous nilly really comes with a, a a high flight instinct, if you will. And I can't change that because that's what God gave them and they just signed up for a double, a triple dose, okay? Right. And, and it just takes longer. Uh, and it's usually a horse like that is usually not for, you know, uh, inexperienced uh, person. But it can be. I mean, I've had horses here um, that was bucking and bolting and just snorted at everything. Well, now we're using them as lesson horses for kids. Mm-hmm. But the, with them, what you have to do, and, and it's what I learned with my own horse, you know, when you practice riding, we always practice our leg aid, We practice our seat position and, make you know, uh, train in a horse. Well, when it comes to the emotions on a horse like that, you always have to work with emotions on maybe in the beginning, once a week. And then maybe it'll get every two weeks. And then maybe once a month. My horse, Tennyson, you know i can i can probably go about every 6 or 7 weeks and we have to go for a tune up on emotional control okay mm-hmm. but at the same time i can ride him bridleless out on the trail and i can take him to a, a horse expo where there could be 30 or 40,000 people and he, you know ride through the crowd bridleless and and he's okay with it but mm-hmm. it just has to be maintained so yes the question is he, he can overcome that, and he can be something different who he is. We just have to maintain that personality and make him more of a solid citizen.
2: Right, a constant um, maintenance, it sounds like. Yeah,
0: a constant maintenance, you know. But yeah. uh-huh. it just gets easier now when I work with Tennyson. I mean, I, I spend 20 minutes on his motion of control work, and I go, okay, we're done, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, that lasts for maybe, you know, six to eight weeks. So that's not a bad deal.
2: And can you, uh, is the emotional control work, is that discussed in your book, in this particular book, Building Your Dream Horse? Oh,
0: yes, it is stressed in here. Yes, it is in this book, yes.
2: Let's talk about the lethargic horse. I think I have one of those, too.
0: (laughs) Yep. Okay. Well, the lethargic (laughs) horse uh, is uh, a horse that I don't think a lot of people should buy unless they're pretty confident. And the reason is, uh, there are actually two, uh, categories of the logic horse. There are those who are really cold blood, with little life or energy, they're, you know, like your big, uh, war- not warm bloods, but your big, uh, Clydesdale. They're pretty, pretty quiet. You know what I mean? They're, they're not real emotional. Uh, and usually it takes a lot to move them. The other lethargic one is what I call the sleeper horse. It, the rider buys this all the time. They're super calm and relaxed, and the sleeper is fine to poke around and appears to be compliant. What you discover is, in the past, they simply never had anything done with it. What that means is, it's almost like one of the other horses we talked about, but it just learned to be lethargic. It's learned to be dull. And then once you wake it up, <laughs> it comes to life again. But the one that's cold-blooded, you know, in fact, both of these, Usually when people buy these kind of horses and they don't maintain the responsiveness because each of those horses can be real dull or have a tendency to be dull and and they don't want to go forward. And so what happens is they end up getting dull and then if you end up asking them to move and follow through like we have to do here at the ranch when they come in there, if you ask them to go forward, they could buck, they could rear, uh, they could bolt. You know, throw a tantrum, because basically their attitude is, if you make me move my feet, I'm going to kick your head off. So it takes more of a you know experienced rider for a horse like that. It can be a nice horse. I mean, we have some a Sunrise an organization that works out on my place. They have a horse that's real lethargic, but more on their. Uh, com, uh, compliance side, but it's just, you know, the kids can bounce off of it, you know, bump into it, and because it's more on the cold-blooded side, it's a much safer horse. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, if you started asking that horse to start moving forward, it may start developing an attitude that you may not be pleasant to have, like, you know, a buck or a rare up So these we have to right. be careful with. You train them is that you always if the horse like that you always have to make sure that they're going forward, going forward off your leg. I don't care if it's going forward or leg yielding, doing lateral work. You just have to make sure that they're you giving to that pressure, and and okay. if you, and you have to stay on top of them. There's no gray area.
2: Right. So um, then we get to the way too smart horse, which. Um, sure. That one is interesting to me because it seems like it, they could respond in a number of different ways to pressure.
0: Sure, they can. Well, the horse that's way too smart is, the, is uh, it's not always a good horse for an amateur. And I actually bought one of a horse like that for a client. And the problem is, is they either always want to anticipate what you're going to do next because they go, I know what we're going to do next, okay? Or they find the holes in your training. I know you handle horses yourself and you've been around horses and, and and it's easy for us to find the holes. Oh, yeah, he doesn't do that. Right? We got better clean that up. Mm-hmm. But that's what they do, you know, with us as riders and handlers. They, they find the holes in you. And mm-hmm. that horse is usually not a good horse for an amateur because um, usually an amateur is not in a position. They don't have the confidence or the skills to follow through. So they back down a little bit, and that horse that's way too smart finds that hole and takes advantage mm-hmm. of it. Tiny. In other words, here are some examples. Might go off the gate, <laughs> okay? Well, he doesn't have any control of my shoulder, so we're going out the gate. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's becoming more buddy sour because, well, the owner doesn't know what he's doing, so I would just going right back to the barn. In other words, finds mm-hmm. any holes that the cans and takes advantage of it. It seems like
2: those horses all end up at uh, rental stables.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the rental stables, no, nah, it's a little bit different. You know, they know where to go out and to come back. That's it, you know. Um, yeah, but I've heard so many stories from marked, uh, You know, I had one in here. Here's a good example. Uh, I had one in here that I was starting. wasn't a problem horse. It was a horse that was really bred very well, a uh, rain cow horse type and they had a pedigree of, you know, the of the hoo-hoos, you know. You know, the dakalinas and all that stuff. <clears throat> and you know, it was almost born broke. And uh, I, I teach it to, you know, one time I was working with it and it wouldn't move off my leg. So I went ahead and stopped the horse, started from scratch, had a walk, get that horse to move off my leg. Well, all of a sudden, we'd be loping along And I put my leg on a horse to, you know, move it off the rail like a leg, you and it would just stop and start side passing. Okay. Because it goes, oh, this is what you want. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, like I mentioned earlier, they just find the holes in your training. Um, and And this horse could be a very well trained horse. It could be doing flying lead changes. It could be a super trail horse. But if you got an amateur up there that, you know, not quite comfortable and understand all the cues. It's it's going to find all the holes. So I think there's mm-hmm. there's a big difference in the rental ones. Right. The rental well, ones are just, just flat swirls.
2: <laughs> right. They just have so many people on them who don't know what they're doing that it's a whole other category probably. So basically, there's a lot of different personalities of horses out there, and you pretty much have to learn what they are and understand them so that you either know how to deal with the horse that you have or know what you're looking at when you're going to buy a horse.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like
0: working with people. You learn how to uh, relate to people by understanding their personalities, I have a couple people I do business with, and they're kind of a bully. They're kind of used to having their way and think this is what should be done. It uh, doesn't mean you can't do business with them, but it certainly allows me to put in perspective on who I'm dealing with so we can both come to agreement on something. And the same for the horse. Mm-hmm. You know, not only do you have a horse that, you know, that we naturally all horses have, flight instinct, herd, you know, herd dynamics. But then you put the personality on top of that, so uh, it's really right. important. This person just take a few minutes. You know, there's the and you know I got people talking about where well, you got the left brain and the right brain, and that plays a part of the personality. But that's way too complicated for me. You know, <laughs> horses wear their emotions and their personalities right on their sleeves, and it has to be dealt with at the time. And right. once you understand the personality. If I have a nervous nilly, or, I mean, if I have a bully and I have a tendency to be too aggressive, I can turn that horse, you know, upside down, okay? Mm-hmm. So right. what it amounts to, you have to know your personality as well, you know? If you're a weak, timid person yourself, you wouldn't buy a bully horse. Right. Okay? Right. You not wouldn't be yeah, in position. It,
3: right. It, or if you you're a to be naps. real aggressive,
0: you wouldn't buy a timid horse. I learned to change my personality all the time or add to it you know, work with what I have because that's what I do, but most people don't have the, you know, the time or the years to do that. They, they want to buy a horse and be able to enjoy it, so when they're going out to select a horse, if they, once they know what their personality is, it, it certainly helps them select one. Okay,
2: well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Charles, I want to thank you for being my guest. Uh, You've given us a lot to think about, and uh, I'm sure all of our listeners recognize their own horses in this conversation, so I encourage everyone to visit Charles' website at charleswilhelm.com, and there will be a link to the site on the episode info page of the Horsing Around website on PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions or comments about Horsing Around, please email me at audrey at PetLifeRadio.com. Until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and
1: start horsing around. Every week on PetLife Radio. Horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tooting, galloping good time every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>